There you go. Yeah. Nice. Now back it off a little bit. That's a little hot. Volume-wise, that's good. There we go. Now we're ready. We should be recording. I don't want to go another week pouring my heart out to you in this research series and it not be recorded on the website. So that's why we're, we're kind of stressing that to, to get that on there. How many of you, when you're not here, you tune in and you listen online? Any of you? A few of you. Great. Um, I'm excited about today's message. Not that I'm not excited about any of them, um, but it's going to be a, a wingdinger for you. Anybody need a refill on, on their coffee? Everybody good? You need to top off? My wife said she'll get it for you real quick. <laughs> Everybody good? Awesome. Let's pray. Did we lose a light back there? Yeah. Something blue. There it is, that one. Boom. Yes. We were singing praises from on high, and the Holy Spirit power surged, and we, we broke a breaker or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's that line there. Oh, well. Hey, it's, it's kind of nice. Maybe let's shut the rest up. No, I'm kidding. I, just, and, uh, I like the vibes. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Father, we pray that you would just meet with us. I feel you in our worship. Our Holy Spirit is just, the Holy Spirit that we have within us is connecting us right now. Father, we just ask that through your word that you would just illuminate us. Father, teach us. It's not about me. It's not about any one person, but your son, Jesus Christ. That's who we want to know more. That's, that's why we're here, to fellowship under that canopy of being in him, as Paul said. Father, I pray that today's lesson uh, would just kind of fill in the blanks. The sermon would just kind of uh, maybe deepen our understanding into, into what this concept of the church is. Father, an ancient concept, a concept that was established before time began. Father, teach us, instruct us in your word. In your son's name, amen. If I ask you today, what is the church? If I said, what is the church? And you were, uh, maybe it was just me and you at a restaurant, we're sitting down for coffee and there was nobody else around, what would your answer be? You know, we're just, we're kind of digging in the scripture a little bit and, and you know that we're going to talk about the church, you know that we're going to dialogue a little bit and I'm going to show you some, some scriptures from the Bible of what the church is. Uh, which is today's research topic. But what would your answer be? If you feel comfortable, what would it be? The people? The people. Man, you guys are, woo This is awesome. A lot of feedback. The people? Community? Someone else? Did you raise your hand, Pastor? No? Over here. The bride. The bride. What else do you think about when you think about the church? Bill? Fellowship. Somebody else? Worship. Yep, love. We can think about the byproducts of the church. What about the organism itself, like the organization of the way we do church? What do you guys think about that? Anyone have any thoughts on that, Mo? Yeah, we should see his work in this organism. Good point. Remember that old crown song, If We Are the Body? Why aren't his hands reaching? The people as Christ is the head. What else we got? The organization of the church. How many of you come from a Catholic background? Maybe about half. About half of you. All right, so that's, that's a different aspect, right? The word Catholic, does anybody know what that word means? 
Say it again. It means universal. So they believe that the Catholic Church is the universal church. They're all connected. Anybody want to speak to that? How many of you think that our church is connected to other churches? How many of you think that? About half of you? So how many of you believe that our church is just our church and other churches are just their churches? A few. We're not really connected. How many, how many believe that we're connected in heaven, but we're not, not connected to other churches here on earth? I got a few more hands on that one. That, that seems to be the general connection. We're connected in heaven, but we're not really connected here on earth. How can we be connected to someone who we can't even have a conversation with, right, about church? When we say that topic, the, you know, the ecclesiastical monarch, right, of how things are set up, their headship and their churches, we are, we are an elder-run church. If you read our Constitution, which we voted on in January, about back in there, we adopted a, an elder rule in our church, uh, which this has been the, mo- the coolest thing for me as far as starting a church from scratch. It's all the things that you attend church for years and years in a church that maybe has been established for 40 or 50 years. These are things that you really take for granted, right? Who's going to take care of the the, the money, who's going to take care of the widows, who's going to take care of the, right? These are administrative things that we're like, okay, well, this person's going to do it, and then this person's going to do it, and then we kind of, we're building the plan as we're flying it. But those are a part of the church, right? And so sometimes if we're a part of a church that's been in existence for a long time, um, we just take those things for granted because this is what? The way we've always done it, Right? So in, a, in our church, we are an elder rule. What does that mean? It means that we have really just a board of leaders. In our constitution, it says those leaders will make decisions as far as the church's vision, the church's direction, uh, the church's finances, and we bring those decisions before the people, and we vote on those things. Um, and there's specific guidelines on how we vote and how we come together. And we're, we're still working those things out because we're an older church combining with a new, newer church. And we're getting organized. But that's kind of how it spells out. Me, I'm a, I'm a teaching pastor, vision pastor, a lead pastor. But my vote doesn't mean anything more than the other elders on the board. Than Pastor Ray's vote. Than Cody's vote. Than DJ's vote. Um, it does, we all have the same kind of a approach in the leadership. Now, if we come to, to a place where there's a crossroads, a lot of times they submit to me and say, what do you think? Because there's a natural headship that God gives to a man to lead that church in the way it should go and the work it must do. But we have to submit one to another. The leader has to be a servant leader. Right And through servant leadership, will lead in a right way. If that leader becomes Lord over the flock, and you have lordship without Jesus being the Lord, then you have tyranny. Then you have anarchy. Then you have uh, things like, remember uh, the pastor who preached last week? His crazy statistics of how much money is stolen, how much mission money. Right, And I've, I've been a, uh, you know, I've, I've seen it myself. I've experienced that, where church leadership has abused the church on multiple levels. So how do we get away from that? Well, my church that I've been a part of in the past had more of a deacon board and one pastor that led, not elder rule. 
Some of this is more educational, but I figured when we approach this topic of the church, we could hit some of these things um, because we all can learn together, right? But the deacon board really just did whatever the pastor said he wanted to do. Hey, let's, let's do this, let's push this, let's do that. Now, we've met twice, we're going to meet again in our elder meetings, and it's very much a, what do you think? What are you feeling? Where's God leading us in these areas? Let's pray about it. And if we disagree, what's the rule? We're going to go pray about it. Until the next elder meeting, which is like three weeks. We're not in a hurry. We're not in a rush. You know what? We're going we're to take care of the flock that God has brought to us. And it's not going to be my word against theirs or them taking my word. It's going to be we've prayerfully considered that we are all in this together. And until we come to an agreement, all of us in prayer and in fasting, then we're not going to move forward. That's to me, is a healthier way that I see from the Bible, and I'm going to show it to you, than one man telling a group of men what he thinks should happen. I don't need that power. You don't need me to have that power. I'll be stressed out, and my control OCD will kick in, right? Um, but with an elder rule, I can say, Hey, and, and there's one fellow who's kind of like in training, and he's taken on the bulk of the, <laughs> the more data responsibilities, a.k.a. Brandon, who's not here, so I'm going to pick on him. But I know he's going to listen to this, so I have to be careful what I say. But I can, I can just say, hey, whatever you think. Hey, have at it. Hey, let me know how that goes. <laughs> and I can say that with peace, because I believe that God brings people, and I believe that God has given us some oversight in areas with, with experience that has been there, done that in a lot of ways. And we can all come together, and there's no pride there. We can just kind of say, hey, what's been your experience in times past? Well, here's been my experience. Well, what do you think? Because that's really going to fall on your shoulders anyway. It's such a healthy, awesome way to lead. And I don't feel alone. And in the beginning, it was just me, right? But as we've grown... Slowly but surely, people have come into the fold, and I've said, here you go, <laughs> here you go. And, and we're doing that slowly but surely. Um, but that, I think, is a healthy way to approach leadership, and I want to show you that in the text. If we compared horror stories about churches, we would be here all day. Would you agree? Hey, tell me about that one time your pastor did X. Or your leader did that. Or my Sunday school teacher, right? In our church, unfortunately in our culture, because we were, and a lot of people forget this, a nation founded under God. Think about that. If we were a nation founded under God, that means America was built on the what? Church. Historically, we we have to think about not just the time of Christ, but we have to think about the time in our country. I was sitting around a fire this last week. A friend of mine who uh, attends the Church of England, an Anglican church in England, who's an American, who, who, who went there to study religion, he was back for a few days. Shot me a text, said, hey man, love to see you. I was like, all right, cool. So we're sitting around the fire. And one thing I think many of you know is that I'm a pretty uh, accepting person. I'm very accepting, and I want to be accepting. You can be an Anglican, and I can sit around the fire and have a great conversation with you. And I can learn from you. You can be of a different walk of life altogether, different political perspective than me, 
and there are things that I'm going to learn from you. And that if I can just be accepting of who you are, man, God's going to work in that. Good to see you. I've missed you. God's going to work in that and in such a way that, that I will be better for it. You know what? If, if, if we can get this one thing that we can accept people for who they are in Christ, we'll all walk away better. If you don't get anything outside of the message, just let that lodge in your mind. Man, I can accept people for who they are and where they are. Here's what accepting does not mean. It doesn't mean that I'm approving of everything that they are and who they are. Because I don't want to, the Bible says, heap damnation upon them. I don't want to act like I'm approving of everything that they're saying. And then they think that they're okay. Why? Because Scripture clearly teaches what is right and what is wrong. I can accept that person without approving of everything that they do. I can love, right? Number one, Bethlehem Creed, lead with love. Does that make sense? That's that fine line. So not that I'm approving of all of his doctrinal decisions or the way he views church leadership, but I can be accepting of him and I have a phenomenal friendship with him and I love him and I consider him a brother in Christ. But we were talking about the Church of England and I told him tongue in cheek, he was talking about the struggles in church leadership that he was having and I said, well, you know, we experienced that 400 years ago. That's why America was formed. Hello, boom, boom, you know, and I'm like, there's a reason why we left so that we could come here and have religious what? Freedom. Because a church with all the control pushes that control down to its people and holds a grasp on them to do as little minions the work of the leaders. And that's why the state and the church should not be tied together. Screw that. Split that. I mean, like, what is that going to do? That's more control. We don't need that. How many of you think the government has enough control already? Listen to this podcast. (laughs) NSA, you know. Every word, recording, recording. <laughs> it's a cult. No, just kidding. <laughs> anyway, Netflix original series coming here. The cameras are going to be outside. Anyway, <laughs> what's up with that pastor? Anyway, I had to loosen you up a little bit. But the, the point is, is, what time is it, man? All right, we're doing okay. All right. The point is, is government-controlled churches don't work. Right? That's not how God designed it. Now, original design was a theocracy. God controlling. God having a personal relationship. Understanding that sin broke that bond. Go back and listen to a few uh, sermons ago. Right, The idea of original sin and the devil. So how do we bond this? We cannot look at the scriptures and take the approach of what was not original intent. You can't dig up little things, little topics in the Bible to fit what you think the church should be. Because the New Testament clearly defines, I'm going to show you that, what the church should be. And it defines it so that sinners can find their way back home into the family of God. That's the design, right? So, so that's important. But man, sinners, specifically, who is our enemy? Point number five in the creed. The devil, the father of all lies, uses this one organization more than any to twist and to control and to stop the work of Christ that should be happening globally by preventing it from happening locally, okay? So, so that's what we need to learn. What is false and what is true? How do we as a group, as a corporate body, the church, act and breathe and live with each other in community so that we foster the work abroad, locally and abroad, Judea, Samaria, and under the uttermost parts is what the book of Acts says. How do we foster that so that the devil doesn't get his hands on it. I've thought long and hard about this. 
the, the mission statement, the doctrinal statement that's online, I wrote it. Why? Because I think it's important to understand the doctrine of the church so that we can together accomplish simply Jesus, my signs in the corner, the work of Christ, okay? Um, so anyway, that's what we're going to kind of go into today. Um, I want to just, like a manuscript, read you some things. Once again, this will be posted in the Facebook group. I don't know if I posted last week, so I'll post them both at the same time. But like a manuscript, I'm going to read through these things. So, you know, don't just turn it off. We need to know what Scripture says. And at the end, I'm going to give you some practical uh, actionable points of how we live together as a church. So uh, the excitement is coming, but we're going to use the, the sandwich method here, and we're going to give you some theology and some instruction from God's Word. How many want to be a church that is biblical? Come on. How many want to be a church that, that does the work? We're done with the hand raising, I, even though I want to do it again. No, because <laughs> I love that. How many want to be a church that just God can use and God can bless and just watch some amazing things happen? How many of you know that if, that is gonna, if that's going to happen, it's got to be God that does it? Yeah, it can't, it can't be us. Um, so let, let me just lay those ground rules for you. So put your thinking caps on. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to some of these scriptures. The first one that we'll go to collectively is 1 Corinthians 1-2. 1 Corinthians 1-2. But listen as I make the declarations of what the church is, the connection of how the church works, and then the application at the end. Here's my why. The church. Can I get some call? Hey, Douglas, come here, buddy. You're such a servant, man. Can you top that off for me? You're awesome. (laughs) Here's my declaration. The church. We believe that all who place their faith in Jesus Christ, this is the nitty-gritty here, as Nacho Libre says, are immediately placed by the Holy Spirit into one united spiritual body, the church. Once again, in our Facebook post, all the scriptures backing these declarations will be there. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 13 states that. We're all placed into one spiritual body, the bride of Christ. Of which Christ is the head, Ephesians 1, 22, 15, Colossians 1, 18. We believe that the formation of the church... The body of Christ began on the day of Pentecost. I just split hairs with some people right there. Some people believe that the body of Christ began when Christ built that with his 12 disciples. Oh, there's no more. That's a good sign. All right. God bless you. Hey, you know what? You didn't finish the tat. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Thank you, buddy. Uh, That's a good sign. Oh, there was the rest of the coffee right there. Someone's been filling up a 32-ounce tumbler. That's why there's no more coffee. They're in there. I brought my Yeti from home. That's what it is. Oh, my goodness gracious. I'm a mess. We believe that the formation of the church, the body of Christ, began on the day of Pentecost. So I would be uh, with my Pentecostal brothers on that one, that it began uh, during the day of Pentecost. A lot of people, once again, believe that it began with Jesus and the disciples. I think that Acts clearly teaches that that was not the case. Because of them waiting in the upper room. Because of the change when the Holy Spirit of God did come down, there was an act there that happened that that gave fuel to the fire that Jesus had already started. That began on the day of Pentecost. And will be completed. The church will be complete. It will be whole uh, when Christ comes for his own at the rapture. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 through 52. The church is thus a unique spiritual organism designed by Christ, 
made up of all saved believers in this present age. Here's where I'll differ from some. This is, this is what I believe from Scripture. The church is distinct from Israel, a mystery not revealed unto this age. The establishment of local churches is clearly taught and defined in the New Testament Scriptures. Acts 14, 23, 27, 20, 17, 28, Galatians 1, 2, Philippians 1, 1, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 and 2, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1. And the members of one spiritual body are directed to associate themselves together in local assemblies. 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen through 20, Hebrews 10, 25. Water baptism by immersion and the Lord's Supper are the scriptural ordinances of obedience for the local church. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Acts 2, 41 through 42, 18, 18, 1 Corinthians 11, 23 and 26. That's my declaration written on our website. That's what we believe. What does your pastor believe about the church? Go read it. All the scriptures. Go to each scripture. Learn it for yourself. It's outlined. The Bible is clear on what the church should be. Here are some connections of those beliefs. Here's where I'm going to make some statements that will define my position a little clearer. Go to 1 Corinthians 1-2. 1 Corinthians 1-2. Come on, man. You're awesome. Not sure how you did it. Jesus turned water into wine. Cody took an empty cup and put things in it. I don't know how it happened. Somebody's Yeti is a little bit lower. <laughs> ah. Connection. The collective or universal church. This is what I believe on it. Go to 1 Corinthians 1-2. Are you there? Are you there? Everybody there? Nope. (laughs) On your phones. Here it is. Under the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs and Ours. I want to direct your attention to the beginning of that passage. It says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. Let me set this down. What does that mean? It means that there is, and, and I would say this, when it, when it pertains to the church, the doctrine of the church, 10% of the 100% of the references in the New Testament refer to this church of God. There's a church of God, and then there's a church in Christ locally. What does that mean? It means that Paul taught in a universal church. A lot of people are like, heresy. Get me to the door quickly so I can go attend a church that doesn't believe that. It's okay. It's all right if you disagree with me. I'm just telling you what I believe from Scripture. Here's why. There are several groups of Christians that I have experienced that will deny that we are not part of a larger church of God. I do not subscribe to this. Here's my manuscript, right? Mostly in my experience, this is to avoid making a connection with the universal church or the Catholic church. I believe that there is but one way into the family, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have to accept the fact that Paul clearly taught right here in 1 Corinthians that we are a part of the church of God at Corinth. So we are a part of the church of God at Middle River, at Bowley's Quarters, at Dundalk, at Rosedale, at name a city in the United States that has a church in it, and Paul would put his context in 1 Corinthians that you're a part of the church of God at your local assembly. Now, this becomes hairy. I don't want to be a part of that church down the road that looks the way it looks and acts the way it acts. Notice who Paul was talking to. This was the church of Corinth. 
This was a rowdy bunch of Christians. The Bible says that they came to communion hungry. (laughs) When it was communion time, they were over there, hey man, we ran out of bread on the first row. (laughs) They were eating and drinking, and and the Bible says if you're going to drink, drink where? At home. Don't come hungry to communion. This was that type of church. And Paul, Paul was trying to bring them along in the faith. And that's why he used the context. You're a part of the church of God at Corinth. You can't just do what you want to do at Corinth. You're a part of something larger and bigger than you. So let's have dinner at home. And when you come for communion, come for communion. Take a little bite and a little drink, right? And pass it on to the next person. Because you're there for the grace that you are receiving from God for your faith being strengthened, for your spiritual body to be edified, not for your physical body to be fed. That's the context of what Paul is saying. That's why my statement is, we're a part of a larger body here. It's okay, church, that other people worship differently. Their pastor, their elder will be and give an account to God for that church. Hebrews tells us that. So therefore, it's out of our hands. But we should not deny the collective nature of the church. It's it's okay. We can be a part of the church and disagree. Not approve, but accept. Make sense? Here's my next thing. That was the church universal or the church collective. What about the church as a family? How many of you think that the Bible teaches that the church is a family? But you have no scripture to back that up. (laughs) Go to 1 Timothy 3.4. 1 Timothy 3.4. Man, y'all are like half asleep. This is what happens when we go to classroom style. I'll get with it here in a minute. I got to learn you first. First Timothy chapter three, verse four. The church as a family. What do I believe? First Timothy three, four says, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. Verse five. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God. This was a requirement for the pastor that he rule well his what? Own house. Why? Because if he's not ruling well his family, how what's the implication? How is he going to take care of God's what? Family. It's a family ordeal. When I'm in my role leading you, I should be in my role leading you as a family. And I should prove to you that I can lead you as a family because I'm leading my family. If my wife is not in service ever, call me on the carpet. What are you doing, Pastor Matt? (laughs) Where's your wife? Uh, She's sick. Next week, where's your wife? She's sick. (laughs) Next week, you know, that thing turned into the stomach bug. She's sick again. (laughs) Where's your kids? Uh, They went on vacation. If I'm five weeks in deep to my lie, somebody's got to say somebody's not ruling their own house well. And if I can't rule my own house well, what am, I don't have any business ruling the church. And you know, it's so funny that every pastor that stands in the pulpit and says, well, uh, you know, God's given grace to my family for all of our issues. And, and, you know, it's all under the blood. And, you know, it has nothing to do with the fact that your children are not saved or that you're not a part of the family of God. It has everything to do with the practical, applicable side of ministry. I can't stand up and teach you in the Word of God if I can't teach and lead my family. Make sense? Please don't leave me, babe. I just, I really need this job. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
here's my statement. There is a family element to the church because we are all placed in the family of God. These are my words, not scripture. Listen. The dynamic shift is that we are sons and daughters with Christ. Here's where some of you and me in, in particular have a problem and kind of a hard time bending around this idea. We are sons and daughters with Christ, but yet as a whole, we are the bride. What you said. So we share in an intimacy with Jesus, watch this, in our togetherness, in our oneness. Unity is important in the church for this very reason. We find that we are a part of a larger group in the next life. For now, we are to be preparing. We are to be readying ourselves for the coming day when we become one with Christ. So this is the dynamic shift. We are locally a part of Jesus, and as we learned about salvation, Jesus is our brother. He's our helper. He's making intercession for us in front of the Father. But collectively, what unifies us as the the whole Church of God corporate body, the fact that we are Jesus' bride. Let's talk a little bit more about that in just a second. What about the church as a necessity or a truth center? Go to 1 Timothy 3.15. You're right there. You're close. 1 Timothy 3.15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. Church, what are we talking about today? The what? I knew you were asleep. Hey, church, what are we talking about today? The? 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 All right, we're awake. Listen, the Bible says we ought to behave ourselves a certain way in church. I don't have you in small groups. So this is like small group slash preach time, right? So the Bible says here that if I tarry long, thou mayest know how thou ought to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. For this cause left I in Crete, Titus 1.5. It's not there. I'm just quoting it. That thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, watch this, and ordain elders in every city. Elders in every city. We have an elder rule church because the Bible tells us to elect elders. Makes sense, right? Set in order the things that are wanting, Titus 1.5, as I appointed thee. Watch this. Truth is the purpose of the church, and God uses elders to accomplish this mission. Its mission is local. Its purpose in mission ought to behave. And there are, it's purposeful in its mission. And there are requirements for an elder. And they ought to be kept and held in high regard. The Bible says that there's a way that we ought to behave ourselves in the church. Beyond the fact that we ought to behave ourselves a certain way, the Bible says that the church is the pillar and ground, the foundation of truth. Now, Let's go back in our mind's eye and reflect to our past. Have you ever been in a church where they didn't know how to behave? Uh-huh. You ever been in a church where truth was not being taught? Ooh, that, was, that got a little bigger of an eyebrow. How was vacation, guys? Was it good? It's good to see you guys. A bigger eyebrow was raised on the truth being taught. Now, how many have been in a church? 101 questions right here. <laughs> how many have been in a church where the pastor preached his agenda and not preached the truth of the scripture. Okay. Me too. Now, I'm not here to make anybody a whipping post, right? That's not the point. The point is to establish in the beginning phases of our church the right doctrine so that you know if I ever lose my mind, 
woohoo, man, I think he's just been off. And, and I'm not saying, you know, give me grace. I'll, I'll have an off week here and there, right? <laughs> but structurally, listen, guys, we can't get this wrong. This is the church. This is, this is God's plan to reach the world with the gospel. If we get this wrong, we're in trouble. Or if the devil can tell us they're just like every other church that we've been in. It's just like all the other problems in the past. Then we are therefore rendered useless to God as well. So we can't use our past to dictate our future. We have to root our present in the reality of the scripture. So that our future is bright. The Bible says, I put Titus in Crete to set in order the things that are wanting. Let me help you with something. Do you think our culture is wanting? Do you think they need something? Come on. Can we agree on that? The church is the pillar and the ground of the truth that our culture needs. And I'm here as an elder to help you lead you in that truth so that we can reach the culture. Listen, church, it's not up to us to say it's too far gone because it's not our work. We serve a pretty amazing big God. Would you agree? So as it pertains to the church's purpose, we are a truth center. The church is a family. The church is a collective whole, is the church of God. And the church is a truth center. Here's the last thing, uh, what the church is. The church is the bride. Go to Revelation 19.7. Satan, Satan's fighting. <laughs> Did you like that one? Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll be okay. If, if anybody sees smoke, we'll, we'll run, okay? Get your children first. Don't run out selfishly. Go get your children first. Ah! Those kids workers, they're the best. They'll make sure they're safe. No. Help us all. The church is the bride. Go to Revelation 19.7. In times past, I would say, well, the Lord's coming back. Check your salvation real quick. All right? No, I'm kidding. Just kidding. I thought it was funny. Anyway, Revelation 19.7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. Listen to this. For the marriage of the lamb is come. And his wife, the church, hath made herself ready. Verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints, church. We're to be adorned. You know that, that pretty white wedding dress? That was hard to say. That pretty white wedding dress? What does that stand for? Purity. Purity. Revelation says righteousness. Here's the problem with the hookup culture. Here's the problem with swipe left, swipe right. Right? The problem with it is you're marrying yourself to anything. You're saying, I'm going to have communion with that person sexually, about to get real with you, sexually, and God sees that communion as a marriage. Phenomenal. And there's another partner, and there's another and there's an... Our culture has a distorted view of the church. Why? Because our culture has a distorted view of marriage. I could preach a whole message on sexual purity and how it relates to the church and just blow your minds. 
My wife and I can rule our home well because we have built our home the way God designed our homes to be built. We were both virgins when we married. She's my only partner that I've ever had. Why I kept myself for her, because I knew that my relationship with her was a picture of Christ and the what? Church, Revelation says that there is going to be a meal, a marriage supper of the Lamb, and we are to be adorned in righteousness for our groom, who is Jesus. And the collective church, when it is called home to heaven, Jesus is going to be looking and ready for you to be adorned in righteousness. Why? Because he paid the price. Because Jesus went to the cross. Because he shed his blood to purify you of your sins. To make you clean. To prepare the way. Not only is his expectation perfect, he paid the price for perfect. So how do you want to show up? How should we present our church to the marriage supper of the Lamb? Here's the elder. The Bible says, I'll give an account. Do I want to give an account and bring us together collectively before the throne of grace? Dirty and filthy? Or do we want to be covered in Jesus' righteousness? And when we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb, we have prepared ourselves. We have dug deep into the Word of God. We are obsessed with truth. We are obsessed with reaching our culture with love because God showed us love. And in turn, we are living out holiness and righteousness for Him because of His holiness and righteousness for us. It's just a lost thing in our culture. The devil has sexualized us so much. You turn on the TV. You go to Netflix. It doesn't matter. You look up Snapchat. You go to any search engine, and there it is, and there it is, and there it is. Why? Because he's trying to get you to focus on all of those things that are not the thing that you have in front of you. If every husband would be obsessed with his wife, God would have the glory in that relationship. And the devil knows that. So let's get him obsessed with her and her and her and her. And then as soon as he falls trapped to that prey, God goes, that's what I sent my son for? That's what I bought your purity for? That's where the holiness was for? And you know, and the the strange thing is, is I'm not just telling you this. I live this. That's not, that's not possible. Our kids these days, it's too far gone. Bull. I'd love to say the other word too, but I'm in church. That's ridiculous. That's a lie. That's a lie. Your children can obey. It takes hard work. You can train them to be holy. You can't train them to live right. And let me tell you something. When God, that's my daughter, that's where she gets it. Let me tell you something. When God comes back for his church, collective body, for his family, for the pillar and ground of truth, he's going to expect you to be adorned in righteousness. That's why we come. That's why we're here. Let me finish this passage in Revelation. So good. Verse 9. And he saith unto me, write, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. How many of you feel today, no, don't raise your hand. How many of you feel today that you're ready to meet your groom? As a bride, the church, how many of you feel clean? How many of you feel like you're just wearing that wedding dress? Our culture is just so screwed up. We can't even have a proper picture of this because we're so twisted and our perspective of gender, sexuality, it's just it's so twisted. 
But for us, as we come together, that beautiful picture of a husband and a wife, one that had waited, one that worked so hard to provide that way. In the old times, he would go and prepare his house. He would make ready. And then she would come. And it was work for her to keep herself pure, right? For her to do her thing. Understand this, that these are true sayings. These are good sayings. And that our goal collectively here today is for us to be presented together to Jesus. Pure. Righteous. Lost art these days. What do we do with this, church? What do we do with this information? This idea that, okay, we're a part of a collective body, that we're supposed to be a truth center, that we're a family, and, and not only are we a family, right, we're, we're to be preparing ourselves as the bride. What do we do with this? Practically, how do we execute this? How many of you kind of get a little overwhelmed? I'm a little overwhelmed with this. It's, it's okay, we've had a few, are y'all, this side's good. This side has confidence, that side you're a little overwhelmed, it's okay. Uh, it's okay, it's a daunting task. You see, the trickle-down effect is that the Bible says the just shall live by what? Faith. So this is going to approach you tomorrow morning when you wake up. When you go to commit that act of sin, you're confronted with the Holy Spirit of God, who if you're saved, if you've trusted Jesus, he is prepping you. The Bible says that the Holy Ghost of God is teaching us all things. This isn't Pastor Matt. And that's why I love this teaching because really I'm taking myself off the hook here and I'm saying, okay guys, go live for Jesus. Woohoo! I've spoken the truth, I've told you. If you're in sin, get right. Why? Because Jesus is waiting for you. And I also want to say it this way, not like if you're in sin. No, I'm saying it like if you experience freedom in Christ and not bondage in sin, you'll experience true happiness. The Bible calls it joy. Son, you're going to be like, whoa, I feel amazing. I don't have guilt. I don't have any doubt over my head of whether I'm doing this, that, or the other right. I'm just living for Jesus. That's freedom. The Bible says, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I have three things as I've thought about this. How do I send you home? How do I practically apply this massive thing that is millennia, millennia old, that many people have abused, many people have abused the church, the doctrine of the church. The Catholic Church was in existence 336 years when they introduced the doctrine of penance. Hey, let's call an audible. We need some cash duckies. Hey, you want to get your loved one out of purgatory? Let's pay some penance. Woo-hoo! You can go back through uh, the history of the church and find people taking advantage of other people in the church for their own good. Study it. It was a fascinating study. Let me tell you some about my own church culture, where I come from, and how people have abused that too. It's not just them. It's all of us. Where do we go from here? Okay, let's, I got it. Let's just remain bitter <laughs> and, and, and live in anger <laughs> at work. And, and then we'll just live the rest of our lives like that. And then when we stand before Jesus, we'll blame it on everybody else. Let me tell you how that's not going to work. Because the very first thing the father is going to say, I sent my son. I didn't send that man that offended you. I didn't send that charlatan. The devil did. And, 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 and better yet, I loved you so much, I paid for all of that. I knew that was going to happen. I knew man was going to twist the church. I knew man was going to use it for his own good. I knew that God was going to embezzle. I knew those bad things were going to happen to those boys. 
And you know what? Let's just take a step back and let's look at Jesus for a second because that's really who it's all about. And collectively, we all should be prepared to see him because he gave you the Holy Spirit to live right. So do we have an excuse? Yes or no? Yes. All right. I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish with that. So where do we go from here? 1 Corinthians eleven eighteen. For first of all, when ye come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions on, among you. This is what Paul says, and I partly believe it. He's my man. I love the way Paul writes. Paul said, when ye come together, there's divisions among you, and I kind of believe it. Are you, are you getting it? 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18. For as the body is one and hath many members... And all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, in other words, whether we be bond or free, whatever race, whatever nationality, it doesn't matter. And having been all made to drink into one spirit, for the body is not one member but many. If the foot, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 18, if the foot shall say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, am I not of the body? Is therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Just a few verses later, he says, and whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, watch this, all the members will rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. What's it saying? I just want want to be very inappropriate here, and I shouldn't be. If we're the body, and the Bible's talking about ears and eyes, I would probably use other body parts to describe some of you. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, What's the point? I just got to wake you up. (laughs) I love you. What's the point? The point is, is that we all have a purpose here, church. We all have a place. And whether you're the eye or whether you're the ear, you belong. Because sometimes we need to hear, and sometimes we need to see. But the the bottom line is that we're all the body, and we all have to work together. Practically speaking, number one, we're a family. Sometimes it's a challenge to get along. We all have a shared purpose to be shown and declared righteous for the day of our marriage supper of the Lamb of God. Hey, you know what? We're family. What, What do we walk away with? We're family. I'm here for you, Lucas. I hope you're there for me. Steve, we're family, bro. And I feel that. Some of you, I might not feel that with just yet because maybe you're just starting. Know this. How are we going to accomplish the work of the church? We're family. No matter what you look like and no matter what I look like, we're family because we're a member of one body. Number two, we are focused. Here's my question to you. What's your role? Find it and do it well. You know the thing about the ear? What's the thing about the ear? It hears. You know the thing about eyes? They see things. That's the good thing about an eye. And you really don't appreciate it until it's what? Until it's gone. Man, wish I had my eyes. 
I don't know who's here and who's not here. I'm half blind, Miss Phyllis. Right about there. How are you? <laughs> I'd be having every conversation just like this. <laughs> if it were my eyes. So how would you like to do church with me without my glasses? Let's do church today. Who's here? Hi, Terry. How are you, buddy? <laughs> I don't know personal space real well because I don't have my glasses today. How was your week? Was it good? Pretty good. How many would come to No I Matt Church? Would anybody not come? Many. Not many people. Why? Because it would be a little uncomfortable. I won't do it with any of the ladies, ex- except Miss Phyllis. Church, it just makes sense to us when you hear it played out that way. No, I, Matt's a little uncomfortable. Maybe Miss Maggie. No. It's a little uncomfortable. It doesn't feel right. Why? Because I can't see. I can't judge whether you're upset at me or not. You know, if I'm, if I'm all together, if my body is functioning properly, what if I had a whole box of X-Lax? Would I be able to function properly during my message? The answer is no. Hey, guys, can you hear me from the bathroom? God bless you. We are family. And family is okay with this. Point number two. We all have a place. It's called our purpose. Find it and do it well. Here's the problem. There are so many churches out there that are acting without eyes. Why? Because the greeters need to step up. If you have a personality, this is how it practically relates. This is what Paul was saying, breaking it down to the church of Corinth, because they were crude people. If you're friendly, then you're the eyes. You can look at someone who's coming in for the first time and say, hey, I'm, I'm Pastor Matt, with, with the proper space there. Not, hi! <laughs> God bless you. Not everybody's a good greeter. I'm sorry. <laughs> but we make do. <laughs> Man, don't go to that church. They're greeters. Whoo! Other people haven't found their spiritual gifts yet. We're praying for them. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's a church that the people are not falling into their roles. We're a young church. This is what I love about it. This is a practical application. All those verses, you need to know them, and I need to teach them to you. Because without them, there's no truth. But now that I've exp- explained the truth... Practically speaking, what is your role? We're not here, and this is my wife and I were talking about this this week. We are trained consumers. Consumer Guide 2018. <laughs> consumer rated number. Think about that word, consumer. Your purpose in life as a humanist, as someone who believes we're here to consume, is to consume. Bring me everything that I love. My whole life is set up perfectly. Look at my car. It's amazing. Look at my house. It's great. And I'm going to go to my favorite restaurant tomorrow, which Golden West Cafe, boom, it was awesome. Never disappoints. But, but we're consumers. And when something breaks, when something fails, we're like, I couldn't consume that the way that I wanted. That's a piece of junk car. I never buy it. And we blast horrible reviews all over everything. Why? Because we're consumers. But to be a contributor is someone who says, why did that go wrong? Let me contribute the gift that God gave me so that that goes better next time. That's a body working together, but the culture is the exact opposite. You work hard. You should be able to get whatever you want. You're you're a consumer. The church is not, and that's the problem. We're trained to go find a church that fits what? (sighs) Consumer mentality. 
I believe that if you're here, according to my doctrine, that God has called you here. God has placed you in our local body. We're a part of the collective, but God calls you to a local church. And I believe that if you are here, that we are family. I believe that if we're family, that we are to be focused. Find your role and fill it. You can't have a consumer. You know, their worship was a little loud. It was a little off. It took the guys like 20 minutes just to figure out how to turn the mic on. I get it. Like, we're trying to get things better and all. But if it's your church, then you're looking for a place to find your focus and fill that aspect. How many of you see that that's the opposite of the culture that we live in? I just want a church that, I mean, the coffee's okay. We'll come back for the coffee. But, man, maybe it's just like 10 dB too loud. You know what I mean? We'll just, we'll get that sound right and I'll be back. I just can't wait for that pastor to reach out and I'll let him know why I didn't come back. 10 dB and I'm there. He preaches on money way too much. Way too much. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our culture has got this thing so twisted up. If you're here, you're family. What's that? That's some kind of... It's Papa John's or something. Rest in peace, CEO. You got what you deserve. Listen to me, church. We're family. We're focused. Number three, I completely forgot what it was. We're faithful. We remain faithful to each other. And we will remain faithful because we need each other. We ain't going nowhere. We got to wait for the rain to stop anyway. (laughs) Church, let's just chat for just a second before we're dismissed. Have you found your place yet? Well, I found it for about three months. (laughs) And then, you know, life just got busy. I'm glad my place isn't in the nursery. (laughs) Lord knows that's not my gifting. Okay. How many kids do you have? (laughs) Then it's your gifting. (laughs) God gave them to you. You can, okay, anyway. I'm being a little sarcastic here. But I mean it. Why do we grow and find our place? Because everyone finds their place. And if you're here... And I haven't helped, helped you do that and facilitate that. I'm sorry. As a leader, as an elder, that's, that's my heart's desire. They know. I speak of it often. I can't wait to get to the point that I have more time in my schedule to help you and better equip you to serve God in his church the way that will bring you joy. I can't wait. I'm doing the best I can. And so, so that means this. Open line of communication. We can't discuss the doctrine of the church without landing here practically. If you want to get involved in in a specific area, come find me. Let's have coffee this week. Let's go to dinner. My wife and I are working on having one night a week where our house is just open, where it's just open door policy. If you have something you want to chat, you just know that Thursday night or whatever night it's going to be, our house is just open. But here's the thing. We're here on Wednesday. We're here on Sunday nights a lot. There are times that we can all come together more and we can plan more to do more. Man, our city is so needy. It needs so much. It's so far gone. How much of your week have you contributed contributed to giving your life to the church the one thing that will fix it? How many of you know that the church is the answer for the world? Oh, well, maybe that's a problem if you don't know. How many of you know that? There we go. If the church is the answer, you're going to have to do more than just 
consume. I come at 11 o'clock and I get what I need. And then there's 167 other hours in a week, I think, if my math is right on that. 167 hours in a week and you give your hour here, maybe two hours, 166. Church, I'm just trying to bring weight to this. If we're going to get it done, we got to do it together. We have to do it as a family. We have to be focused, and we have to be faithful. It doesn't work if those things aren't there. So let's do it together. Find your spot. Whatever your post is, find it. I haven't found a post. Well, let's work on that. Let's pray about that. Let's pray, and let's find our post. How long have you been working with the missions, Miss Maggie? Exactly. You don't even, long time. She's found her post, and she's stuck in it. You're looking around at people who have been faithful because they were focused, because they, you can reverse engineer this, because they found a family here. I want to find a family with each and every one of you. How will we find that? If you'll get focused in your role. Listen, I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to say which body part you are. God's told you. There's a critic in every crowd, and that's the problem. <laughs> There's a bunch of butts running around. No, I'm kidding. Let's find the arms. Let's find the eyes. Let's start reaching out. We have a ministry that's about to hit that we finished the video. We're pumped about, Bless Mamas. That is a massive way for us to reach into our community. She can't do it by herself. Poor Miss Sherry. She's putting it out there. We need volunteers. We need volunteers. She's, she's scared about VBS. And I'm not, you know, I'll be there as much as you need. But we're trying to give opportunities. How many of you have told her, I'll be there a night? I'll, I'll help bring a snack. I'll, I'll get involved. That's, and we're saying it because, listen, you do that, you'll find that you're more of a family and that you can be faithful in that. I hope this made sense. Every head bowed, every eye closed.